We just heard The Unknown Nose from Nothing Face by Voivod, and this is Voivod Part 2 on the Record Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And once again, we are being joined by our good friend Jeff Wagner, uh, author of Mean Deviation uh, and uh, resident uh, Voivod expert. Welcome again, Jeff. Hey, welcome. Thank you. And, uh, okay, I guess, you know, we, most people I'm sure who are listening to part two, uh, probably listen to part one. I'll make that assumption. Uh, and if, if they not, didn't stop now, yeah. download part one, it's, it's important to go chronologically. I was going to say, man. it's not going to make a whole lot of sense what's, uh, right. what's going on here, but, uh, we did talk about nothing face, um, you know, in the end of part one, which is where the unknown nose comes from. But I guess, you know, talk Talk a little bit about the song "Unknown Knows," uh, maybe and why you picked it and stuff like that. But then also, you were mentioning how how much crossover appeal "Nothing Face" had with uh, a wider, I guess, non-metal audience. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as far as uh, the song itself, uh, it, it opens the album. It obviously sounds like an opener. I think it's just as impactful of an opener as uh, "Angel of Death" is on "Rain of Blood." I think. I think we all know that song and album i hope um and that that's really kind of where that where i how i look at unknown knows this is that that really key song and a really key album uh that really defines what that band is doing at that time so that's kind of why that's there um and yeah you know when nothing face came out i was hanging out i was in college and there was uh i was hanging out with quite a few people who were into you know the indie rock or the alternative stuff of the day and this was before the term alternative lost all meaning must have been like what Daydream Nation, Sonic Youth, kind 80, of eighty-nine. Era yeah, stuff. a lot of Sonic Youth. There was, uh, you know, I remember people being into Soul Asylum. Uh, I remember people talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers way before the Ruben era. Yeah, uh, um, no- you know, Meat, meat Puppets, uh, No Means No, just you know, myriad kind of things. Um, but that whole crowd of people that I was around at the time, you know, and I was the metalhead, uh, and I was of course all into Nothing Face. <laughs> they all really latched onto it in a big way. And uh, that really showed me the, the kind of appeal that Voivod had. Uh, at least it was the first example that I'd seen uh, of Voivod having this appeal way outside of the metal world. Uh, and a lot of these people went back and checked things out, and they, they liked Dimension Hatros, but you know anything before that was a little bit too much. Uh, but Nothing Face has definitely kind of a universal appeal, and uh, it's it's that eclectic sort of record. Was was it actually like making it onto like uh, like college radio and stuff? Too, it, or was... It, it was. I, I remember an unknown nose and the Pink Floyd cover, Astronomy, uh, making it on. Um, you know, you'd see it on college playlists quite a bit. Um, and plus, you know, it had the benefit of being released on MCA. Yeah. So it had a lot of distribution, and it and it you know still to this day it's their best selling record. I think it sold over one hundred twenty five thousand copies. Um, Did and it as we market it right or. What's that? Do you think you get marketed right or, or not? I, I think they did. You know, in fact, they went on tour with Soundgarden, and uh, Faith No More was the opener for that tour, and oh. Soundgarden and Voivod would flip-flop uh, headlining status uh, because Soundgarden was coming up pretty big with Louder Than Love at the point at that point, and uh, they were kind of equals. And, uh, you know, Voivod, or I'm sorry, Faith No More were just unknowns at that yeah, time they just put the real thing out or were about to just you know? put the real thing out and it, it, it real thing took a long time to break it took almost a year yep. so they were kind of like this odd unknown band that went on before well when i saw them in chicago they went on before soundgarden and voivod headlines so to me that's good marketing and that's like you know that's like realizing voivod has an appeal beyond just you know the uh you know the band they toured with uh for dimension hatros in the states previous was um 
violence. So oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about different, different touring partners there. And uh, I think that was a good move. And yeah, I, there was a lot of marketing. And, and I was actually doing college radio at that time, uh, doing a metal show at University of Iowa. And uh, there was tons of shit coming out about Nothing Face in terms of, you know, pay attention to this album. And What was the name of your show, Jeff? Yeah. Oh, God. Do I have to say it? Yeah, because yes. I think the one we were involved in at Small Points is probably worse. Uh, the Sonic Nightmare? Okay. Ours was The Furnace. The Furnace. <laughs> the furnace I, would have, I would take The Furnace in a second. <laughs> I, I had to come up with Sonic. They, they, they were like, um, okay, so you're doing your first show. What's the name? Like, I, I thought I was inheriting the name of the previous show, which was some lame, you know, like metal show it was like called the, the metal show <laughs> and they were like what's what's the name you're, you're like you know because i was on in like two minutes i'm like uh yeah. <laughs> you know sonic no violence. idea no I, sonic nightmare oh nightmare yeah yeah i'm thinking of uh i'm thinking of something that we talked about <laughs> off mic that we're not allowed to talk about uh a little episode number 150 i think let's stop oh uh, okay yeah. well, we'll save that we'll save that for Oof. ah there's your clue people follow the club. Our lips are sealed. Uh, Mark's uh, quoting some Go-Go stuff. I was going to say, yeah, it's another rocking. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess the reason I asked you was it, was it marketed right, and, and obviously you answered the question, was it just seems like, you know, in hindsight, like listening to this, it should have been, I don't know, even bigger maybe than what it was, but but maybe was there limitations because of the the the, the back catalog of Voyavod and what had preceded it? I think it was just the back catalog. I mean, it, yeah, it's a cleaner record. It's a more melodic record. It's it's catchier, but it's still challenging. And yeah. it's you know, Snake's vo- vocal style has never been something that's universal uh, in the way that some of the bigger bands are. Um, he had easily, you know. It's easily he had people that loved him, uh, like like us, like Voivod fans, and, and then he had detractors. And um, so I, I think for as as weird and proggy and challenging of a record as it is, even in those kind of hybrid times of the late late '80s, early '90s, I think it did about as good as you could expect. I think it do. I think it'd be up to you know sales of one hundred fifty thousand or one hundred seventy five thousand if it hadn't been out of print for eight or nine years. We covered that on the previous show, yeah, but I'll, I'll say it again. I you know. Um, People still want that album. They will always want that album. It's just a, it's kind of got a, it definitely has a kind of universal appeal for, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a wide crowd for sure. Well, and then, you know, Nothing Faces 89, and then two years later, you get, of course, you know, the uh, you know, Angel Rat, which has such a, um, a reputation to it, which we'll get into here in a second. But was there, you know, this is also when metal, the, the popular you know, realm of metal in America, especially was, was really undergoing a lot of changes between 89 and 91. Do you think that that was part of why Voivod made Angel Rat was in response to them kind of losing interest with some of the mainstream metal scene or I guess, no, I don't, how, no, how do I don't think approach Angel Rat, you know, I guess. Angel Rat, uh, is really the product of them having gone on tour and tried to try to wrestle through the nothing face stuff and realizing that uh, they couldn't put on much of a show or really get into the playing the music if they're always looking at the the next of their instruments uh, and trying to concentrate on what changes around the next corner I mean that 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 exact sentiment comes from away you know um, he, he said this many times the, the drummer of the band and they wanted just to do something that was a little more in tune with what was happening in, certain, in terms of the sound gardens and the faith no mores and um, something that was a little easier to kind of get into to, easier to digest a little groovier and they were but it wasn't that wasn't them doing the quote-unquote sellout thing. That was them just wanting to play music like some of their peers and yeah. just kind of wanting to explore that. And the, 
this being a band that always wanted to explore what was around the next corner, well, that's what they wanted to do. Um, so that was a large part of it, and uh, I, th- I think that's probably the largest part of what happened with Angel Rat is they just they they were like, okay, we've gone as far as we can with complication. It's time to do something else. So it's funny you mentioned you know the the tour because as I listened to like Angel Rat, I uh, I heard a lot of you know Faith No More kind of things. I heard even I even wrote pre grunge down, which I guess you could say mm-hmm. you know Louder and Love era Soundgarden is I guess technically pre grunge. Um, you know those those sensibilities sort of exist in it, but obviously this album means a lot to you. It was um, the album you sort of chose to dedicate your your prologue to your to your book, Mean Deviation, to. So, I guess talk about the reaction that that people had to this when it came out, and and kind of um, you know you mentioned the the personalness that this record has for you. So yeah, and I'll and I'll start with that, not just to you know. Talk, talk in the first person right away, but I mean, I have to talk about it personally first, and then the reaction. Because when I when I got back from the record store, I mean, I, this was I was enough of a fan that I was there the first day every time a Voivod record was released, and this is pre-internet, so you didn't really know what it was going to sound like. You just maybe had some song titles. Um, yeah. So I got I got home, and I remember playing it and being like as shocked as I'd ever been about a change that they had made. And I, I was kind of used to being shocked by Voivod's you know, constant changes. But this one, I was like, what in the hell? Like, really? And by the end of The Prowl, which I think is a third, fourth song on there, um, I started to really kind of get what they were doing right away. And it just became this obsessive thing. Like, I could not wait to, like, if I was at work, I couldn't wait to get home to listen to Angel Rat. If I was with my girlfriend, I couldn't wait till she left so I could listen to Angel Rat. Like, I mean, I was, I was so into Angel Rat. And, it was, and because it's, it's, it's catchy, so when mm-hmm. you, you know, if you listen to catchy music, you just can't wait to sort of revisit that, that, that line that just is constantly haunting you. And, um, I was intrigued by the change. I was, I was intrigued by the fact that all the, the rough edges of their sound previously were totally honed Mm -hmm. and that they weren't doing really a whole lot of sci-fi stuff and that they were, it was a lot looser and it was, it was, it was kind of eerie and very melancholy, but also kind of pop. Uh, it, it, it did a lot of different things for me. And then I thought, oh my God, this is another great change from Voivod. Everybody's going to love this. And like all of my friends who liked Voivod up to that point just absolutely hated it. I mean, nobody could understand it. And I was, I was constantly having, you know, debates with people about its merits and, and they would just spit vile about it from the other side. And uh, it just wasn't well received. I think it was just too much of a turn for some people. Yeah. I so mean, be it. Was, it. I mean, kind of ahead of itself though too because i mean I, I remember listening to a song uh and it might have been the third song which uh the song right before the prow and the melody and beat um like uh it's uh clouds in my home or clouds in my, in my house. house yeah yep, yep. and it, it totally has and and don't freak out when i say this but it had like almost a stone tumble pilots kind yeah. of feel to it or a riff yeah. like that you would have heard on the very first thing or something of that era you know and I can't imagine a metalhead hearing that and kind of going, obviously they wouldn't have known who Stone Temple Pilots were at this point because they didn't, I don't exist. think exist, but, um, right. but it has that sort of like that it was just before that stuff really took off almost kind of feel. Well, it was, yeah. And Stone Temple Pilots were nothing but a hybrid. And, and uh, I, I, you know, some would say a copy of what the yeah, real hybrid exactly. was, which was the Northwest sound, I would say that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, would like, I like a lot of Seattle stuff, in fact, but, but I never liked Stone Temple Pilots. Point being that, that 
Angel Rat was a, a huge melting pot and a hybrid, and uh, and really so uh, so far outside of uh, uh, most metalheads' frame of reference at that point that it just didn't work for for most people anyway. Uh, it worked for me. It worked for another Voivod fan, King Folly. All the guys in Deceased loved it, still love it. Um, you know, some people some people it, it resonated with, and some people it just did not, and and. And that became kind of the impetus for you to use it as your description of what is progressive music in your Mean Deviation book, correct? Yeah, I, you know, in hindsight, I wish I might have framed that a little bit differently. Like, is this progressive music just because a band changes radically? Like, what makes it progressive? Does does a radical change make it progressive? Well, you know, Bruce Springsteen's probably changed radically from album to album at yeah, uh, yeah. various points, but does that make him progressive? But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I did look at that as just a, a, a progressive band is relentlessly progressive. They will never stop changing and once once they do once they start going back and repeating themselves and going back to the quote-unquote roots uh that's when they stop being progressive so voivod was always like you know commerciality and and and, and our fans be damned we're going to do this because this is in our heart and this is what we want to do um and that's another yet another reason i have such respect for angel rap yeah and it's, it's so it's i guess for you a symbolic of of that meaning of the term progressive you know? sure yeah absolutely um the you know one of the songs we you know we, you and I both were sort of geeking out about off mic was was the prow and you said that that's such an emotional song you almost didn't really want to play it per se or, or you know use it because it's so not only emotional but you said it's so radically uh, such a radical departure than than you know what they had done before you didn't it is I mean it's it, it not, it's it's emotional because it connects so quickly and so easily and it's uh it's such a departure because it's so simple I mean it's probably <clears throat> Excuse me. It's probably uh, has the least amount of changes of, of any song they've done since you know the the Roar days or something. Um, but it's also it also is you know it's it's it is one that they did revive during the trio era. You know after Snake left with Eric Forrest on vocals. It's 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 more of a known song I think. So I wanted to try to play something here that might bridge uh, Nothing Face a little easier. A little easier. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. And you know, and a good again like the evolution of him as a vocalist on songs like the prow is, is pretty incredible too. I have to, I have to say uh, angel rat is by far, well, it's killing technology is pretty close, but, uh, I would say angel rats, my favorite snake performance. I think he's really, he really comes into his own on this and like, he really, uh, emotes in a way that he just never had before or since. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I love his performance on Angel Rat. Cool, cool. Um, and then, I, would you say that Outer Limits is um, another radical departure? Or do you think you can link Outer Limits a little bit more with, say, Angel Rat? You can, but you know what? Here's where we, we were talking about in the first show early on about how each guy was so central to their sound. Uh-huh. And you can tell Blackie's not on that album. Gotcha. It's, it's, it's just, if you know Blackie's style, I mean, he's one of my favorite bass players, and I just feel like his absence is pretty profound on Outer Limits, which is why it, Outer Limits always sounded to me like quite a different album uh, from Angel Rat. I, I, I do think they're quite distinctively different albums. I know a lot, and it's funny you bring that up. I think a lot of people do link those albums as being kind of sister albums, but I, I really don't actually. Okay. 
You'll now, be good how would that. you say? How would you say? You know, because we're gonna play a couple tunes from Angel Rat, and then Outer Limits, and then end with Negatron. So I guess I wanted to at least introduce Outer Limits a little bit. Um, Outer Limits, I you know, it's tough to pick just one because it, it had I think it had a wider span, a wider range of songs on there. It had the mo- it had more straightforward songs than anything on Angel Rat, like one way a lot of rock and roll type, like songs. one way street. The last two, one way street, and um, we're not alone are very straight, more straightforward than anything on Angel Rat. Then you've got a 17 minute song, Jack Luminous. Yep. Um, you've got you've got the stuff that I think a lot of fans wanted Angel Rat to be, which was like brain, um, Lost Machine and mm-hmm. Time Warp. Uh, the song we're playing is La Pont Noir, and that's uh, the the Black Bridge um, is what that translates to, and that's. Uh, just a really good eerie creepy slow building brooding kind of song that they were doing around this time uh kind of like the angel rat title track maybe yeah um it kind of reminds did, yeah. me it's it's like a I, I wrote down funny you know gloomy and eerie kind of a discordant masterpiece in a way uh um, it, it is and i think it's again I, I played it because it's probably one of the least recognized from uh outer limits and i and i feel that that's kind of a shame i, I think it's one of their best songs from this era um, yeah. But I don't know. There's also a brighter aspect to Outer Limits. It's a, it's a brighter, more upbeat record where Angel Rat was eerie, really melancholy. There was a sadness to Angel Rat that I, that I, I think is um, you just don't hear on Outer Limits at all. And there's no Blackie. On Outer yeah. Limits, and so. Now, did something happen around the time of Angel Rat to cause Blackie to leave? Then I mean, oh, uh, he was really uh, well. For one, he had he was getting into electronic music very heavily. Um, and maybe not getting his rocks off with Voivod as a result. Uh, he was also um, not into Angel Rat at all. And I think he was Terry Brown, uh, who any Rush fan knows who that is. Um, he produced Angel Produce, Rat. Yep. Yep. And he, wa- he and Terry Brown, Blackie and Terry Brown butted heads. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Blackie, Blackie thought the album sounded neutered and kind of spineless. And I don't think he liked the cleanliness of it or how it was, all the edges were shaved off. Um, and it does sound like that. It's a it's a very distinctive sounding album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, he was just kind of fed up at that point, and uh, and then he left. He's on the record, but he's he's even credited um, apart from the other guys on the liner notes because he he bolted right after the recording was over. I mean, he was out of the band by the time the record came out. Wow. Well, he doesn't have his pseudonym as his credited name either, does he? Uh. Yeah, I was just looking. I thought the. Um by that time, they were all going by their real names, I believe. Oh, were they? Oh, they yeah. are. Oh, yeah. I just yep. that. There you go. So none of them had their uh, their pseudonyms. Jean Vies. Jean Jean Yves Terrio is something. Yeah. Like. French is something I cannot. Speak. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, one one of I think our claims to fame, along with I've told you how famous uh, the cat noises are, is our right. uh, our awesome uh butchering of pronunciations of foreign languages it's <laughs> kind of thing i've got a, it's like a requiem uh it's like a requiem right. cult following i've got a grasp kind of on thing. norwegian now because a friend of mine's norwegian yeah, yeah. Kind of i was just gonna me. say is that why you haven't done your norwegian black metal show yet yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're holding out we're really trying to perfect our pronunciation They're before be we do that. real yeah so that's what's grat. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's let's get into some of this uh, more bizarre territory of Voivod and kind of see what people think about all this. We've got um, care to introduce uh, Nuage Fractal and Gollum. <laughs> but you don't want to uh, butcher another pronunciation. No, no, just just in terms uh, yeah. of like, the musical elements that we're sure. hearing. Nuage Fractal is um, to me the closest. Uh, thing to nothing face on Angel Rat and I think people will hear the link they'll also hear the difference in production mm-hmm. and approach 
Um, so, you know, it's, it's lush, it's multi-layered. Um, it's, it's got snake doing some really great singing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's no watch fractal. Gollum is a, just a great, um, one of Voivod's great sort of storytelling moments, <coughs> excuse me, storytelling moments where, um, it really is all about the lyrics more than the music. The music's pretty much straightforward. There's some great bass lines in it. Um, but it's, it's about as straightforward as the prow actually. Okay. Um, I think. And, uh, <clears throat> that's, it's, it, you know, that song is indicative of, of just them throwing off the sort of shackles of complexity that they had kind of wrapped themselves in, in previous albums and just kind of wanting to maybe be a little freer with their riffs and, uh, a little bit easy, you know, make things a little easier on themselves. And, uh, Gollum's a great result. Cool. All right. Well, so we've got uh, those two tunes from Angel Rat and then the aforementioned uh, Le Pont Noir from The Outer Limits from 93. And then we're going to close things out with uh, Bio TV from 95's Negatron when we come back.
That was Bio TV from Negatron, Lapont Noir from Outer Limits, and then Gollum and Nuage Fractal from Angel Rats. So, um, a lot of change going on there. Uh, a lot of evolution yeah. from where you get the the more simplicity stuff, like you, like you said uh, about Gollum and the Prowl from Angel Rat to uh, a tune like Bio TV, which is uh, you know pretty heavy. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's heavy. It's it's it's. it's it's really the first time I would say that Voivod was regressive rather than progressive. Um, but it was a result of the fact that their lineup had changed drastically by that time. I mean, you know, Outer Limits, Blackie was already gone. Uh, they had kind of a session player for the studio and live. And then um, after that, Snake left. So you were basically left with Piggy, the guitarist, and Away, the drummer, the, the only two original guys wondering what the hell they're going to do. Uh, and they found a guy named Eric Forrest. Um, another Canadian uh-huh. uh, who played bass and sang. So the resulting album, Negatron, came out and it just, it was kind of re- definitely a rebirth for them. And I think they, they felt the need to go back and do a very aggressive uh, sort of mode. Uh, but it wasn't War and Pain Part 2. And yeah. as, much as, I, as much as I don't want Voivod to follow up what they did in the past with a Roots album, I kind of wish it was War and Pain Part 2. For me, Negatron sounds uncomfortable. It sounds like a band that have gone through the changes that they went through. You know, it's, it's very reflective of the time and, and them sort of settling into this new trio formation. And, well, uh, and you said even things with, like, you know, especially Blackie was, was pretty acrimonious, the... the the breakup there you know i mean how was it with uh with snake leaving i mean was it as equally bad or no i think they were all after after outer limits and kind of the promise of being on a major label that was their kind of third major label album by that time and it didn't quite work out once angel rat came out and outer limits was ignored probably even more than angel rat at the time um and it I think they were all just kind of wanting to maybe just hang it up. Uh, Snake definitely hung it up officially. The other two guys, I think, felt that he was completely in his rights to to leave because who could blame him? It was yeah. just kind of different times for the band, different times for metal, and uh, and who knows if you know they. I don't know. I, 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 I nobody knew at that time even if they were going to go on. So. Yeah. So Negatron had to be a rebirth, and it had, they had to say, look, if we're going to go on, we're going to be a different Voivod again, and uh, this is what we're going to sound like, and, and it's this very uh, kind of aggressive. It's obviously very, very Voivod. I mean, Piggy's playing guitar. It's going to be Voivod. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did have this kind of attacking, aggro sort of tone to it. Uh, and Eric, really, on that album, doesn't sound convincing as a Voivod vocalist. I think he sounds... Um, it's kind of like a third-tier Sepultura sound. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I would. I would. I'd say that's a great. And then a, even like a, a the, great this comparison. era, you know, of um, you know, like Fear Factories and uh, you know Guy right. Flesh and all that. The the sure. riff in this song, in Bio TV, is almost verbatim a pitch shifter riff. Oh, yeah, anybody remembers that, that band. <laughs> that's you know, I, I remember them, and that's a good comparison. And yeah. you know, I, I heard a little bit on the surface. I heard a little bit of like uh, Machine Head, Pantera, sort of aggro. Um, yeah. But yeah, they were always going for something a little more cerebral than that. So yeah, what you had was more pitch shifter or Fear Factory. Yeah. Um, yeah, not necessarily like the, the pinch harmonic thing is what I'm really thinking. Of, where they kind of hold it out and you know, a little I, small I, there. Yeah, you, that's in bio TV totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a great song on Negatron called Cosmic Conspiracy that is really kind of Voivod finding themselves again. And, and that, that, uh, that song, 
I think along with BioTV are probably my two favorites on Negatron. I, it's not an album I listen to that much, and I, you know. That's okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know you, I, I know you, you sort of said you felt bad sometimes saying something bad about Voyavod, but, you know. It, no, no, okay. I, I feel fine saying that because, you know, especially because the next album, Phobos, um, same lineup. It was just two years later. I think that's a huge success in terms of uh, them successfully reinventing themselves, finding their new sound with this trio. And uh, Phobos is, to me, 100% great. And uh, ne- Negatron, yeah, my least favorite up to that point for sure. So what's what's happening on this on Phobos then that, that unites them? Is it a different Voivod? I mean, obviously it's a different Voivod, but wh- uh, where are they progressing now? When you're- well, it's, it's, it's them gelling a little bit. It's also Eric sounding understanding Voivod a little bit more. I don't think, you know, that that was the other thing about Negatron was you could tell Eric hadn't been a huge Voivod fan. He just wasn't. He didn't understand them. Um, and that's, you know, that's fact. It's not, yeah. I'm not just saying that. Sure. But uh, um, with Phobos, he, you could tell he worked into the band's history and what they were all about. And he sounds a lot more sincere in his delivery. Uh, there's also this weird paranoid kind of earthy feel to Phobos that Negatron didn't have. It just, it just, it just works. It's a little slower. Um, it's almost like a, a more cosmic neurosis in a way. Okay. Um, and I mean that in a really good way. Like, I don't think they were trying to ape neurosis, although I know that they're, those guys are buddies, but uh, they, Phobos is just, I don't know. It just sounds to me like true Voivod. I remember when it came out, I was so relieved. It was like, oh, this is a Voivod album. This is, you know, I, I no problem here. Um, very different. But then again, they were always different. They were always releasing a different album. Um, yeah. Well, and then, and, and then what, I mean, what happens to the band after this, though? Because there's the six-year gap, you know, I guess. They yeah, they did, they did a bunch. This really strange period where we're yeah, gone. They did a bunch of touring and... You know, if you remember, 97 was a weird time for metal. That, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, that ride, 33 and a quarter percent completed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. a lot bands of were doing weird, weird albums like that, or they weren't existing at all, or they just weren't selling like what they used to. And of course, now in hindsight, we can see that metal as a whole has become way more popular and really kind of um, probably will never go through that kind of period again where it just like has this sort of like dip in popularity. Yeah. Uh, but 97 was a weird time, so it was tough for Voivod to find traction. Like, none of their peers were really doing a whole lot. Um, and, you know, yeah, sure, they had their fans, but they were on this, like, you know, kind of these small tours. I think they toured with Propane. Well, now on the Negatron tour, they toured with Propane. Like, these are the kind of gigs they're getting. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're, not, they're not doing the festivals that they're doing now. You know, it's just a, a strange time. And, uh, you know... So, so they had a they had a tough time, I think, gaining any ground at this point, despite the fact that Phobos might have been a really strong album. Um, and then uh, I think that they were touring somewhere in Europe, I want to say, and they got into a, a accident in a vehicle while they were touring, and Eric uh, got injured pretty significantly, like he was out of commission for like a year, and uh, as a result, the band basically officially broke up. Um, Eric sort of was out of the picture and away and piggy didn't know what they were going to do um so just as they're wallowing in the pits of like oh god voivod's over and it's been over for a couple years at this point um two things happen uh a guy named jason newstead who used to be who 
<laughs> he was in a band called Metallica. They're the little combo out of uh, Los Angeles moved up to San Francisco. Okay. And, oh, yeah. you mean the guy from Flotsam and Jetsam? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, ah, yeah. yeah Flotsam and Jetsam, there. Everybody knows them. Yeah, yeah so, so he, uh, he'd always been a huge fan and kind of friends with Voivod. He had actually done like a, one of the bonus tracks on Phobos. Uh, it was like the product of their of Away and Piggy writing with Jason. And he got interested in, uh, well, he left Metallica and he, and he uh, was looking for a gig and, and uh, he joined Voivod at the same time that Snake, the vocalist, came back. It was all kind of, I'm not sure what the timeline is there, but uh, it was a nice convergence of like, oh, you know, let's get Snake back and let's have this guy Jason Newstead in the band. Newstead had a ton of money to throw into Voivod and uh, they, went, they went ahead and recorded a, a self-titled album that gets a lot of grief from a lot of people, but that that remains one of my probably one of my favorite Voivod albums. I, I think it's really, really, really solid. Uh, it's kind of a uh, it's more streamlined in a way, but it's it still returns back to the roots a little bit too. It is kind it's, of like a, but it's not it's not a pandering return to the roots. No, it's, no. it's like there's yet yet again there's no other Voivod album like it. Uh, I think Jason understands uh, the Voivod bass role. Like he's he's crushing on it. I think he's doesn't get a lot of credit for his work on it, but he's great. And uh, <clears throat> it, it also has a, quite a span. Like there's a song called Divine Sun that is like something from Angel Rat. There's a song called, like we're, we're going to hear uh, Reactor, uh, which is very kind of caustic, you know, crushing Voivod. There's the sort of anthemics, uh, straightforward stuff like... Um, 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 uh, 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 like Rebel Robot or um, shit I can't think <laughs> the last song on the album I'm, I'm very sorry oh, no, uh, no. can't think of it but um, you know so they, they really did kind of run a span of, of kind of a kind of a survey of what they had done up to that point but never a pandering like oh this is you know check out this this is a lot like Roar you know yeah. like that crap um so it's it's a very strong album. In fact, when it came out, Away said that it was his favorite Voivod album uh, next to Killing, Te- Killing Technology. Wow, which had always been his favorite. So it's uh, it's one that I hope people go back and rediscover. The only problem with uh, the self-titled is Snake is mixed way too high. It's almost hard to take. So he's um, he's just so over the top with his vocals on this one, then because of the, the mix, yeah. just because of the mix. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. Well, let's uh, let's delve into this this stuff, and then we'll come back and kind of talk about, uh, you know, I guess what would be a a, a giant tragedy, uh, obviously for the band, which is is the death of Piggy, and and kind of how that impacts these last couple records. And then I know uh, we did want to kind of not ignore uh, the contributions of Away's artwork, and kind of talk a little bit more about that too. Sure. So. Um, so we have on the way the tower from Phobos, uh, reactor that uh, Jeff just talked about from the self-titled Voivod, and then we'll end with uh, Polaroids from Couture's and talk about uh, Couture's and Infinite uh, when we come back.
You just heard Polaroids from Kator's, Reactor from the self-titled Voivod record, and then the Tower from Phobos, which, uh, Jeff, you were saying was uh, a moon of... Uh, uh, Phobos is either a moon of Jupiter or Mars. I don't remember. Okay, okay. But definitely not Saturn. Both pretty kick-ass planets uh, when you're talking I'll about say. the, you know, you know whole, uh, you know, I think he made them two of the more kick-ass planets in the, you know... I ca- I- I kind of dig the whole solar system myself. Yeah, that's true. It is it's kind of cool. How do you feel about Pluto? Ah. Poser. Get a yeah, bad poser. <laughs> poser planet. No love lost there. I guess. <laughs> oh man, is it? Oh, it is one. It is a moon of Mars. Uh, we, there you go. Yeah, we just uh, thankfully the internet exists, or where else would we be? Phobos and Diamos. Ah. Yeah, and Phobos was probably where the Voivod character was residing at the time of the creation of that record. Because I, I, no, seriously, I think I think he brought they brought back some of the some of that lore that they had left for uh, for Angel Rat. Well, and before we kind of talk about this last era of Voivod, you, you sort of mentioned the the character and things like that. Um, we really haven't gotten into the artwork uh, per se that Away uh, con- consistently created throughout the band's career. Um, and some of the characterizations and, and things like that. So I mean, you know, what are I, I'll let you know Mark and you weigh in on this a little bit more, being you know the Voivod expert and the artist. So sure, I, I, I'll let I'll kind of tell you maybe what Away's kind of basic thing was, and then let Mark maybe talk about some of the technicalities of his artwork. But um, you know, Away started drawing this stuff when he was a kid, and we talked in the first show about uh, you know him growing up in Jonquière, this heavily industrial city, kind of bleak and uh, gray, and um, he kind of created this whole fictional world, and, and uh, the Voivod character and the, the land of Morgoth and the, the whole uh, um, I don't know if Morgoth was stolen from Tolkien or not. Um, Maybe one of you guys could tell me that, but uh, you know, he just kind of created this whole thing um, even before Voivod as a band existed, and then he just kind of plugged that into Voivod, and there you had sort of this really kind of cool conceptual uh, basis for the band to kind of dive off on uh, just lyrically uh, with each album, and he would you know have the it was kind of just this whole post post nuclear apocalyptic kind of world uh, that the Voivod character was like trying to deal with and and uh, fight in and, and live in. Um, and they, you know, they took that uh, as about as far as they could for about five or six albums. Um, as far as his artwork goes, I'd like to let Mark maybe take that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, er- early on, I think uh, I think we talked about this off off mic or off recording. But um, as I was a kid, anybody that knows comics knows Jack Kirby, his exaggerated anatomy, um, and just not necessarily what you wanted to see as a, as a as a kid in your kind of I guess the years of. You know, when you want to see this really exciting, crazy-looking stuff, I feel the same way about away stuff. Is that uh, earlier on as a kid, when I looked at this at this stuff, it looked very, almost like overly crude, and I wanted mm-hmm. to see something that had a lot of technicality. Like I wanted to see something like Pusshead and not see Away's artwork. But the older I get, the more I go back and look at his stuff, and I go back and look at Jack Kirby's stuff, and it's deceptively simple. Uh, it's it's almost like you know, just elevating it up to a different level of. Um, of the the kind of icon, the kind of um, I guess I guess his line usage, his lack of line usage, a lot of time, a lot of it really reminds me of the kind of stuff I would doodle in the margins of a paper in like English class in high school, mm. that type of stuff. But he has such a consistent kind of like a vocabulary of how this stuff comes back in his iconography of these different weird technological slash 
I don't even know how to necessarily describe this stuff. The pseudo organic meets technology. Yeah, I was gonna say type it's approach. primitive meets, meets yeah. technology. And, and if you look at his artwork, it is quite it's quite primitive, but it's so identifiable immediately exactly who did this. There's but no, the, but the, yeah, right. He's got a stamp just like Jack Kirby does. Sure. But he, there's also like if you look at the era, of, like say Nothing Face, Angel Wrath, it, it got to be pretty sophisticated where it oh, wasn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it wasn't crude and it wasn't uh, about horror or apocalypse. He, he kind of he almost he is always like almost like he was drawing um, to meet the sort of capabilities of the band at that point, and they were sophisticated at that point. So he would. Mm-hmm draw something that was sophisticated yeah and i was mentioning to you that you know like something like the angel rat cover for instance kind of had that same kind of dark melancholy feel like that uh you know uh tales of the black freighter from watchmen which you said Mm -hmm. you were reading again Uh, yes yeah you know Mm -hmm. just that that aesthetic to it a little bit you know where it's just but it's almost like almost like a terry gilliam kind of vibe of just this weird kind of uh, the the surrealism yeah the subjects that he decides to put together don't seem like they would make sense but when you see you know, like the kind of collage type thing that they did in Angel Rat. It's just unsettling and weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, that's, you know, that covers a very kind of literal amalgam of what's going on in the album. There's like a uh, folk tales and, and uh, there is the song, The Prow, which I think it references the pirate on the cover, uh, you know, the ship thing. And, you know, um, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a disturbing and weird album that weirder than it gets credit for, I think. Sure. But um, yeah, back to his artwork. I mean, he's, and he's, you know, what do you think? I mean, do you have any sort of ideas about his later stuff? Like more computer how, stuff? Well, he kind of reverted and went, went, he went back to simpler stuff again. Yeah, the, the stuff that's more, and this is just my own personal bias, is that anytime computers are integrated into artwork at this point, when it's obvious that it's com- a computer, I'm automatically turned off. Yeah. Okay. I actually prefer where I can see, like, you know, the wobble of a line that, you know, that he did on the side of a skull or whatever it might have been. The human imperfection is actually more, more beautiful than the, the perfect computer image. Yeah. And that also fits, I think, with your musical aesthetic, too. Your Pretty taste much, that, yeah. like, you know, you're more a fan of, I guess, earlier Voivod anyways, you know, because that's mm-hmm. just, I guess, the whole style that you well, I like have, to see warts know. and all of anything, of yeah. films, of, you know, artwork, of sure. music. You sure. know. There's, a, there's a purity to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's cool, too. We were just talking, and I don't think Mark and I were even aware of this, but uh, there's a book that came out called Worlds Away, uh, which is the artwork of, of Away from Voivod. Yep. And it's a nice little hardcover book, and, and you've got it, Jeff, and you were saying it's it's pretty awesome. for. It's actually a nice book. big hardcover book. It's I mean, it's it's worth the money. If you look on Amazon, you're a little shocked that it's uh, it's like $60 used and 90 new. I guess they, they must have sold out of the original run already because it wouldn't be $90 new. I think I bought it a year and a half ago and it was like $60 new or $50. But uh, despite that, it's well worth the money. I mean, it's such a beautiful book. And if you're a fan of Voivod, if you're a fan of his artwork, or just kind of an art geek in general, I I think it's so worth the money. And uh, it's so well put together. Um, You know, glossy color pages throughout, really thick. Uh, You know, great and great great writing from Martin Popoff, who kind of threads the story of Voivod together with Away's art. It's more about his artwork, I think, and the characters than it is about Voivod the band. Uh, But obviously those those two things are pretty inseparable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very, very much worth the money, though. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, and like I said, I, I just think it, you know, we were getting into so much of the, the history and stuff like that. We kind of 
accidentally left off talking about you know such an imp- important element of the band, which is the image and yeah. you know this consistent aesthetic that links the band. I think from beginning to end, you know. Well, that's one of the that's one of the most rewarding things about being a Voivod fan is you're you're kind of you kind of get into this world, this universe. They create their world, and you know there are bands, and then there are bands like Voivod, and I think you know it's uh, it's just a lot of fun to sort of immerse yourself into the world that they've, they've created. Uh, not a lot of bands really do that kind of world building or that realm building that, mm-hmm. that Voivod does. So um, that's, yeah, that's one of the more special things about the band, I think. Sure. Yeah, to a lesser degree, Immortal. Yeah. We got yeah. Blast Shirk, you know, the Mighty Raven Dark. So. <laughs> there you go. Sure. Yeah, I, sure. I don't think they do it to the with as much depth as Voivod did. Oh, but, no, but no. I do like that. I think it's kind I of know rarity. what you're saying. Yeah, rarity nowadays to actually have people that want to create something completely that doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be Satan-based. Yeah, it doesn't right. have to be anything. It's just completely of their own imagination. And yeah. It's kind of... Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I honestly, I just don't think there are that many people out there that have that kind of imagination. I mean, it's hard to, you know, it's amazing that a band like Voivod came together with these four guys that were all working toward this for so long and, and created this mythology. Uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful and rare thing that Demonaz and um, Abath found each other and created this world. And, uh, but you just, you don't get that kind of chemistry with every band. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Skeleton Wish just doesn't have that for me. They, they, don't, they don't have that like <laughs> world building sensibility. I mean, yeah. they might be a really good band, but, uh, you know, they don't take you to these kind of new and exciting escapist sort of places. They take you to and places that you think you've heard before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Well, uh, let's move on. <laughs> well, so to kind of bring things to a close with the the end of you know uh, what Voivod's put out thus far, we've got these last two records. Uh, we just heard Polaroids from Kators, and then we've got Infinity, and these are both um, post. Uh, post Blackie or uh, not post Blackie post Piggy records post Piggy yeah. you know that, that by this time you know the, the the same lineup that did the the self titled was gearing up for a next record and Piggy had recorded I mean a shitload of demos he was really prolific at this point uh, but is uh, it true that he was writing a lot of the stuff because he knew he was dying. Or is no, that, is that uh, something that I no, just I don't, kind of I, misheard. No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, he was always pretty prolific. He was always kind of the main instigator in terms of the the riff writing. Anyway, uh, it was always a very collective effort, but it really kind of came from Piggy first. Uh, and I just think he happened to be prolific, and he had twenty twenty two songs down. And you know, there may be demos of Phobos, and there. And in fact, I have six songs that were recorded with the trio formation after Phobos that have never been seen the light of day. And those, uh, you know, that just shows how kind of prolific he was he was just constantly writing and rehearsing uh, with the band and uh, i'm sure a lot of stuff that hadn't seen the light of day but the reason that these did uh that these demos did see the light of day as two different albums was because he died in 2005 as everybody knows and um they wanted to kind of create the final voivod albums with piggy uh with Piggy's demos is sort of the, the centerpiece of that. So they did the very difficult task of taking these demos. They're pretty raw and rough and building actual albums around them. Um, and with no disrespect to Piggy, I think that might be one of the reasons why they're a little bit weaker. I don't think they're his best riffs necessarily. Um, this is just my opinion as a Voivod fan. I, you know, I don't say this with any kind of authority other than just being a fan, but yeah. um you know, they, I, I think they suffer a little bit from being having been just demos. Yeah, you know, not having been able to be form, fle- formulated. You know, they didn't get to flesh them out as a real band might. Um, having said that, I think Polaroid. You listen to Polaroids. It's a that's one of the best Voivod songs. Period. I, that's I put that on the top twenty for me. And um, 
I think they just found the magic of of some of Voivod's previous stuff on that song. And there, there's stuff throughout Couture's that's really good. Like uh, uh, there's a song called Silly Clones that almost gets into like Devo-ish new wave territory. Uh and yeah, that there's, might, there's a lot of punk stuff kind of happening on that record. Punk yeah, def- kind of stuff. Definitely, and that goes back to the roots as well. But again, we, we you know this album doesn't sound like any others. But on the whole, it's 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 quite straightforward. It's 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 edgy. It's it's driving. It's uh, um, it's it's basic for the most part. You know, you don't you don't get a lot of the surrealism uh, that you used to get with them. Uh, or the complication, mm-hmm. uh, they're rock. They're they're rock albums, basically. You sure. know. And uh, then and then Inf- Infinity is their latest one from '09, and that's kind of the last of the demos, correct? Yeah, I mean, Katoras and Infinity are pulled from the same demos. They just created two different albums out of them, and uh, you know, opinions vary wildly as far as which one is the strongest album. I don't think I even have an opinion. I just think they have strong some strong points and some weak points. Yeah. Uh, Volcano the song that we're going to hear that's going to finish out the show uh, is one that I'm really surprised they haven't played live. I, to me, that's like a, a quintessential Voivod song. It's it's one of the few songs that kind of wraps up everything they've really kind of ever done. It's just very straightforward. It's driving. Um, there's clearly some great piggy chords in there. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see them pull this out live someday, even with the new formation, the, the piggyless formation. Now, are they are are they going to continue beyond this now? Well, they have been. I mean, they, they they started touring with Daniel Mongrain on guitar, who is in a band called Martyr, okay, uh, Canadian, yeah. a Canadian tech metal band, uh, Tech Death or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, he is about the best guy that they could have picked. And if they're going to go on without Piggy, uh, I think he does the he does justice to Piggy. He was a fan of Piggy. He learned uh, from Piggy. He was one of these many Canadian guitarists that was inspired by Piggy. Yeah, we brought him uh, up when we did our uh, kind of four-part Canada we did the prog metal kind of sure. show. We, mm-hmm. we mentioned him right. quite a bit. Right. So. And, you know, Blackie's back on bass now. So you basically have three quarters of the original band. Uh, obviously, you're not going to get Piggy back. You might as well get what you feel is the next best thing. And I, you know, saw them live with that formation for the first time. For me, it was the first time seeing them with Daniel and Blackie again uh, at the Maryland Death Fest in yeah. May. Yeah, they were great. They, they were amazing. They yeah. were so good. And they played a new song that sounded fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I think they're kind of revived again. So uh, more power to them. I can't, you know, I, I can't imagine what the next album's going to sound like. And that's yeah. kind of the way it's always been with Voivod. Sure. Well, great, Jeff. Uh, we really appreciate you, obviously, uh, you know, doing this two-parter with us, and we hope that you're going to return very soon to, to do some other things that we kind of discussed and talked about. Um, I'd be happy to, and uh, I, I appreciate you guys letting me talk about Voivod so much because I, I can do that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, I couldn't I, think of anybody better to talk yeah, about Voivod no doubt. than you. Because so. I mean, you know, Mark and I certainly wouldn't have been qualified to talk about anything post Angel Rat, you know, because I, I haven't fully absorbed those records as much as you know the earlier stuff. Well, the so. history and stuff too is great. Yeah. To, yeah. Great to know. Have sure. Well, they, and, yeah, they have fascinating history, and well, uh, and you've spoken to these guys, you know, I mean, you've interviewed a lot of these guys, so you have some kind of personal relationships because of the book. Yeah. Yeah, definitely like had a lot of um, you know contact with Away over the years, and that's been really kind of uh, well, just been really interesting as a fan, sure, uh, sure. honestly. Cool. And when he did the cover of my book, I, I was just like, okay, I can definitely die happy now because that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the four, the thirteen year old Voivod kid fan in me, at, uh, you know, when that happened, was like freaking out. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. and speaking of your book, you know, once again, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where they can find the book and stuff like that for those people who are interested in not only Voyavod, but maybe some more progressive metal stuff. Yeah, the, I mean, the book I wrote is called Mean Deviation. The subtitle is Four Decades of Progressive Heavy Metal. Uh, it was put out by Bazillion Points, who uh, are known for the Swedish death metal book and the Hellbent for Cooking cookbook, which is awesome, and yeah. the uh, the Metallian Slayer Diaries that just came out, which is pretty incredible. Oh, don't forget, only death is real. Only death is real. <laughs> only death is real. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, that's death. Didn't they put talk, death? talk about? No, co- no, they didn't. No, they no. they did a Spanish version of choosing yeah, death. That's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, talk about coffee table books. Only death is real. But um, yeah. yeah, so it could you know it could be found at bazillionpoints.com. It could be found on Amazon. Uh, any bookstores that still exist. I know that uh, <laughs> Bar- Barnes and Noble. Just quite a few people have uh, you know sent me pictures of me deviation sitting at Barnes and Noble on the shelf. So I know that some of those carry it and. Uh, yeah, um, if it's a, it's it's a definitely a uh, pretty exhaustive dive into the wider world of progressive metal. Sure. Cool. All right. Yeah, it's a good read. I definitely uh, I read it this uh, summer and before we did our mean deviation uh, mm-hmm. two parter. So, um, but uh, thank you once again, Jeff. And thank you. I just hope that people hear some of this Voivod stuff and get excited. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, totally. it's, it's definitely exciting to me because I get now a whole new set of Voivod albums to kind of absorb through, you know, and kind of Very figure good. out, you know. So. Very good. But uh, yeah, let us know what you thought. Check us out. Uh, shoot us an email at recommendpodcasts uh, at gmail.com, uh, recommendpodcast.com, where you can become an executive producer. Go to iTunes, leave us uh, leave us your views and your thoughts. And, uh, and the star rating, that. maybe. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate all that. So. For Voivod, uh, we're going to close things out with Volcano from their last record from 2009, Infinity. And uh, for uh, Voivod and Recommend Metal Podcast, I'm Jason. And I'm Mark.